Hi, I'm Latresa. And I'm Clancy. And we are a mother-daughter duo that shares a love and admiration for all things Elvis. On this podcast, you can expect a deep dive into the life of Elvis Presley. We will discuss books written by Elvis's friends, family members, and others who knew him best. We will critique and enjoy Elvis movies, concerts, and music with those who grew up listening to his music, watching his movies, enjoying his concerts, and hopefully inspiring a new generation of Elvis fans along the way. With all the misconceptions surrounding Elvis, we want to remember his life and his legacy. The man, the friend, the entertainer, and the philanthropist. This podcast is dedicated to those of us who celebrate the life of one of the greatest entertainers of all times. Let's Talk Elvis! Hey guys, it's Clancy and Latresa, and welcome back to the Let's Talk Elvis podcast. It being the eve of Elvis's death, they're currently doing the candlelight vigil right this second at Graceland, which if you don't know what that is, every year, the week of Elvis's death, uh, they have what they call Elvis Week, and fans from all around the world gather in Memphis at Graceland and they have all kinds of speakers and parties and tours and concerts you think of it they've got it and on the 15th they always line up together in front of Graceland they light a candle and they walk up to the grave to pay their respects so we thought it's always been on our bucket list to attend so hopefully one day we'll be able to well we thought today we would talk about the day Elvis died um there's a lot of controversy surrounding it I feel like everybody just wants to focus and why he died and we kind of want to I don't know what would you say we don't want to focus on how he died, but more so the person that he was and exactly. how the people around him experienced his death and what their thoughts were and what that day was like for them. So I'm going to let my mom start it off. When okay. Actually, something that um, if some of you may not know, but something that I've always it's always the connection that Elvis had with his mom um, has always been something if you ever study or uh, read or watch anything about Elvis. Uh, you learn how uh, he and his mother just adored one another. And actually yeah. um, it was 64 years ago yesterday that Gladys Presley passed away. And so um, the day it's so of crazy to funeral, me. Yeah. The day of her funeral, uh, actually 19 years later, the day of her funeral was the day that Elvis passed away. And so I've always, you know, felt that was kind of, I want to say eerie or, or what, but the fact yeah, that. I feel like the eerie is the right word. Yeah. And when yeah. we're talking about his mom, just for a few minutes, you have to think of, um, uh, of how um, his mother, 
the first song that he ever recorded was recorded for his mother on her birthday, My Happiness. And he went into the uh, Sun Studios, the Memphis Recording Studios, and he he, uh, recorded My Happiness for his mom. So it all started with his mom and um, and he was in the army when she passed away. A lot of people feel like um, she was so uh, distressed and, and worried about um, about him going into the service to her ailments that she had and that it contributed to her death. Um, but Elvis, yeah. he was with her. Um, actually, he, he had come and uh, visited with her and she passed away um, after he had to go home to to rest a little bit Uh, so he wasn't actually with her but um, they they just had such a special relationship and those people close to him said he was never the same after he lost his mom yeah but um, I'm sitting here I have my candle lit um, in honor of um, uh, the candlelight visual, 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 what do you call it? Whatever. The visual, <laughs> the visual. Yes. It's strange. Um, but I, I have been doing a little bit of research about people close to Elvis um, at the time of his death. And, and you, you mentioned it already. Uh, one of the things when you are a big Elvis fan, you always have people that want to make comments about how Elvis passed away. Yes. And, every time. Uh, if they're not a big fan, if you mention Elvis, they love to bring up how he died. Exactly. And, uh, and something that, that I just kind of wanted to share something on a, a personal, very personal note um, is the fact that, um, I lost my son a little over two years ago to um, a drug overdose. My son was a drug addict, and it was not prescription drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, I understand a little bit about addiction, and I understand how addiction can overtake a person, how it can affect their personality, how it can affect their mind, and um how how it can affect the people around them as well and uh, you hear so many things and you read so many things about uh, negative things about Elvis and um, and and I feel like it's important as the mother of of a a beautiful um, human being um, who passed away at 30 years old um, after a 10-year struggle with addiction um drugs take over a person's life and mm-hmm. things that they think and actions that they take um you know a lot of times people are remembered for the negative things and yeah. they're remembered for uh times in their life where they made poor decisions or they did um things that that they would have never done in their in their um healthy state and I feel mm-hmm. like Elvis is a prime example of that um mm-hmm. being being such a um a celebrity that so many people look on the negative side of of his life and there's so much positive there and so oh yeah I think that it's important we all realize you know Elvis was a man 
he was he was yeah. a very popular uh, man and a celebrity, but he was a human being, just like the rest of us are human beings. And and I have to um, I have to take a, a moment here to um, just proclaim my faith in Jesus Christ and believe that you know perfect one to ever live was Jesus and um, mm-hmm. and and all of us have faults in our life I know um, if I sat and dwelled on the bad things that happened um, in Brody's life and did not take time to think about all the wonderful things the 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 good memories and the good times it's very easy to fall into the negative but it is because of Jesus um, and and his his the perfect life that he lived that we can um, go to heaven and um, and I've heard several people I actually heard Elvis's testimony at one time I've never heard it again but I heard it on Elvis radio uh, years ago and he was talking about how basically the same thing I just said that the only perfect person to ever live was Jesus Christ and it was through Christ that um that one could be you know saved and and from their sin and so i really believe that elvis was saved um i hope he was and i hope that um anybody listening that if you're not really clear on um on salvation or on um on eternal life then i hope you'll look into that but uh but getting on with our podcast i i want to start with um Nancy Brooks I tried to look up people that um, were a part of Elvis's inner circle and um, I tried to look at the day that Elvis died and um, I have I have several books from different people in his life that um, they give their experience and I'm just going to kind of share those Nancy Brooks is the first one she was Elvis's maid and she has written a book called Inside Graceland. And um, Nancy worked for Elvis for 10 years. And, um, and she talks about, remembers August 16th, 1977, the day that Elvis died. And she said that um, he was getting ready for another concert tour. And when, uh, when they were getting ready for a tour, the, there was a lot of stress at the mansion. Um, there was a lot of pressure on Elvis and on the others around him as they tried to get ready for uh, another trip out on the road. Uh, the time, the money, all the hard work that went in. He said it was a time when there was so much stress on Elvis that it was very apparent. That mm-hmm. morning she got to work about 6 o'clock. And when she got there... Um, Pauline, who was the other maid, um, told her that Elvis was playing racquetball. So um, she said that she had been there for about 30 minutes. She said about 6.30 that Elvis comes. He's worked up a sweat. She offers to fix him something. And he says that he just wants water and he wants to go get some sleep. So she fixes him some ice water. And Pauline takes it upstairs and delivers it to him. And when she comes back downstairs, Pauline's getting ready to leave. And when she comes back downstairs, she says that Elvis just practically grabbed that water, jerked it out of her hand, which was not like him at all. And they kind of talked about that. But uh, Pauline also told Nancy that that Elvis had been real restless the night before. Um, 
and that he had um, gone out for a ride on the motorcycle. He and Ginger had gone out and rode the motorcycle um, on the streets there around Graceland trying to blow off a little steam and and uh, calm down a little bit. And then about 10 o'clock that night, um, he had come back in and gotten ready and then he had gone to the dentist. And when he returned home from the dentist, that's when he went to play racquetball. So Nancy comes in and he is, um, he's playing racquetball. And then about 6.30, he comes in and, uh, and goes up to, to go to bed. And if you know anything about Elvis, you know that he played at night and slept during the day. Um, so she says that um, she remembers seeing Elvis in a lot of pain and uh, under a lot of stress. Uh, she addresses the fact that a lot of people want to know about the medications and a lot of people want to, you know, make comments about how, um, you know, if they saw, if, if she was aware of the medications that, that he took and that, you know, why didn't somebody stop him? And, um, and she basically says that they saw him in a lot of pain. They saw him under tremendous stress with the schedule that he kept up and, and the schedule yeah. that he had would have been a, impossible for anybody. Um, you know, just, just the, the life that he lived, um, is not well, then, healthy. And you had them, the Memphis mafia and all of his employees that counted on him to keep their families up exactly and provide their livelihood. Yeah, he had a lot of, um, a lot of, of pressures, you know, the Colonel, um, had demands on him. Um, yeah. He was under contract to, you know, movies that he really, um, you know, he was not pleased at all with the quality of movies that he was putting out, um, singing songs that really had no um, content. Or basically, some of them were really silly songs. And he had all of that on him, plus just the physical wear and tear on his body. And we know that he did have some health concerns. He did have a lot of, of different things going on with his health. Yeah. And um, and she said that, that those that were closest to him, they were just concerned for his health. Um, mm-hmm. It had become routine for them to see. I mean, it was prescription medications. It was routine for him to take them. And, and really, if it made him feel comfortable and made him be able to do what, what was required of him, they basically, regardless of how they truly felt, they just accepted it as, as the yeah. way that it was. So, um, you know, and, and it's easy to say, um, that's like you hear a lot of people say that um, somebody should have stopped him and different things like that. And as the mother of a drug addict, I did everything within my power to try to stop my son um, or to, you know, um, try to look out for him, try to, um, I, I just did everything that I could to stop the abuse to his body. And there was, there was no way, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's up to the person. And if you've ever read anything about Elvis, one thing, all the books that I've read and have in common is how much pride he had and how you didn't tell Elvis what to do. Elvis did what he wanted. Exactly. And, And, And that's sign of addiction. 
um, you know, it, it comes down to the individual wanting to wanting help. And then it's still not easy. But, you know, he he justified it because it was prescription. Um, yeah, that's and he another needed thing. Pills to sleep. He needed pills books, to stay awake. In the books that I read, another thing is a lot of them have in common is, you know, a lot of the Memphis Mafia took it with them because they thought, oh, it's like prescription. It, yeah. I mean, Elvis is a healthy, fit guy, so if it works for him, I'm going to take it too. And he had, he knew, he studied med- medical books and journals, and he knew the uh, fancy sign science name for all of the medication. He knew what they were for. He had an answer for what they were for. Everybody thought he was doing. Well, yeah, and he... he um. And, and that's the way we all do. You know, when you're doing something that even if it is not something that is good for you or if it is not something that is wise, if you want to do it, you justify it. And, you know, and, and all, all the drug addicts do. I mean, they they um, they're not in their right mind and um, and and they have they just they need it to survive. And uh, and we know it's we know that it's it's dangerous. We know that it's deadly you either you either get better or you die and um and that's what happens in a lot of instances so um but nancy said that she finished her chores that day and she sat down to take a break and watch her soap opera and she gets a uh an intercom phone call from Elvis's room and she figures that he's up and he's getting ready to order his breakfast. She says when she answers the phone that it's Ginger and she sounds really upset and um, and she asks if there's any bodyguards that are close by. Nancy tells her there's not and she said that Ginger just breaks down and she says that there's something wrong with Elvis. So Nancy immediately, you know, she's she's really upset about it and she says that she rushes up the stairs to his room and as she's going in her mind she's thinking this is his sanctuary this is his space you don't come up here unless you're summoned and she said she had very mixed emotions about even going upstairs without him inviting her because that was just something that he did not do um, yeah, but she said that she went on upstairs and when she got there, she, she didn't go into the room, but she said she could see in a, in a floor length mirror, she could see Elvis laying in the floor. And by that time, other people were upstairs and, and, you know, scrounging around, trying to help him, trying to do CPR, calling for help. And she says that she just had a sinking feeling that there was nothing that they could do that um that it was all in god's hands and um she talks about how she had you know worried about him and um and you know just um seeing him helpless and and being so says that um she remembers when the ambulance brought him the when the ems brought him down the stairs on a stretcher And this is a quote. She says, words cannot describe the pain I felt in my soul that very moment. It was like every bit of life that had been at Graceland up to that time was sucked right out of the mansion. 
only to be replaced by the cold reality that nothing would ever be the same in that great house again. And that is so mm-hmm. sad. That is so sad. Yeah. It's true. It is. But uh, life, and um, and that was just an example of somebody who loved him. Um, yeah. And I have Marion Cock, who was Elvis's personal nurse. She was a nurse at Baptist Memorial Hospital there in Memphis, and she was also um, employed as since she spent time at Graceland with him and then when he was in the hospital she was the nurse that would take care of him and uh, she wrote a book the name of it is I Called Him Babe and it's an excellent book Um, they had a very special relationship and she She says on August the 16th 1977 she was at work at the hospital and she got a call from Elvis's Aunt Delta And Delta said that Elvis wanted her to call and ask her to stop by before he left to go on tour. And then she said that a little while later, Elvis called. And he said, did Aunt Delta get a hold of you and tell you I wanted you to come by? So she told him that she would get off about 3 o'clock and she would come by the mansion on her way home. And he told her he had four concert tickets for her for the night that he got back into town. So she said it was about three. She was getting ready to head out. She was in her office and she heard the ER page um, go off that someone had had a cardiac arrest. And she says she remembers, you know, she always hated to hear that. And she's getting ready to leave and she gets paged and, um, And they call her in and they tell her that it was Elvis. And she says that she immediately runs down to the ER and she sees Charlie Hodge and Joe Esposito and she just falls all to pieces. They take her to an empty room and and they have her to, you know, help her to get composed. And she tells them that she wants to go to Elvis. So she says when she walks into the, to the ER they're doing CPR on him. She's the room's full. And she says that Dr. Nick, who was Elvis's doctor, just looks at her. And she said, just looking around the room, she couldn't see Elvis, but she said just by looking around the room and looking at people's faces that she knew that he that he uh, had passed away. She knew there was no help for him. And, mm. um, and she says, He was a good man, a kind man, a generous man, and a loving man. He never forgot his upbringing. Many times he spoke of those lean years. The greatest pleasures that he got out of life was doing for other people. And I truly doubt that anyone anywhere could ever match him in generosity and kindness. And she says, oh, I don't mean what he gave to his friends, the material things. I mean what he gave to the world, the benefits he did, the people he helped in hospitals, the bills he paid for people that he didn't even know. And the man who told me one night, sometimes I think the one thing that would please me the most would be to give all of this away and walk through that gate with my daddy in overalls and barefooted but free. 
Wow. That's sad. That is so sad. Yeah. You know, um, and, and that just proves that that goes on to prove about the, the great responsibility that he felt, the stress that yeah. he was under. And even though he was doing something that he loved, he, he had so much responsibility and was weighted down so much by all of that. Yeah. Well, it even, it even showed in the new Elvis movie. I mean, he was so excited when he started back touring in the Las Vegas engagements, but then Mm -hmm. when that was all he could do, not that he didn't love it, but it just squashed his creativity. And it I believe it was more like a chore and, and it became something he wasn't so excited about because it was just over and over and over and over again. That's all he did every night, multiple, sometimes multiple times a night yeah a lot of times he did two performances a night and uh, and you know when you watched him perform I mean he sweated so profusely he put everything that he had into his his concerts there was no I mean he Mm -hmm. sang from the heart and he sang hard and he moved all over the stage you know, um, he put everything into it. So it was very, it was very draining, but, you know, like you say, um, taking something you love to do and then having to do it basically not out of the love, but out of the duty, I guess, um, takes, takes the fun out of it and, uh, and makes it, makes it a hardship sometimes. Yeah, I agree. I read a cool quote. It's kind of off topic, but I definitely wanted to have it in this podcast. Jerry Schilling, who was one of Elvis's employees for a while and one of his closest friends, he talked about, he was a pauper, and he talked about um, riding in one of the limos from Graceland where they had Elvis's funeral to the cemetery. And he said thousands and thousands of people lined both sides of the street, standing in solemn respect procession passed by. I saw children crying, grandparents crying, cops standing at attention with their hats over their hearts, and the toughest looking bikers with tears in their eyes. White folks stood by side by side with black folks. A huge part of Elvis's legacy became clear to me on that slow ride to the cemetery. Before Elvis and his music, there was nothing that could have brought all these different people from all these different walks of life together. His music had pulled together gospel, blues, country, and R&B into one sound. Now here were all the faces and lives behind each strand of that sound, standing as one. All those faces, all those people had become one living tribute to Elvis, feeling his loss as one and expressing their sorrow as one. In death, Elvis had done what he'd always sought to do in life. He'd brought us together. And Elvis, if if you also read, he was always searching for a purpose and wondering why he was chosen to be Elvis Presley. He was always reading and just could never figure it out why he was chosen to be who he was. And I thought that was such a cool quote. And and even now, right now in Memphis, all the all of those same people are there now going up to pay respects to his grave. Yeah, that uh, what an impact that he had. That's exactly right. And uh, Marion also says um, that 
one night when they were having conversations, he, she used to go and drink coffee with him. And, uh, and she said that one night he asked her, he said, do you think that anybody will, will remember me when I'm gone? And, uh, and she said, yes. And then she was talking about how, how he is remembered. I mean, I don't know of anyone else that, um, you know, years this many years after they have passed away that you have a yearly trek to their to their and grave an anniversary you know exactly yeah it's almost unheard of i know it's exactly right and uh, and it's um and in especially with the movie that has come out this last movie i mean there's a whole new generation of elvis fans which is which is amazing um yeah. i i'm you know i mean i'm a lifelong fan but to see a new generation of elvis fans um is really is really awesome uh, yeah. it's really something that makes me happy I've been a young fan, so I'm like, finally, everyone gets it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, um, it is. It's a, it's a, it's a feeling of, of, um, I don't know, of, of uh, satisfaction. I guess you could say. Yeah, definitely. Well, I have Uncle Vester. Vester was Vernon Presley's brother. And, um, and he wrote a book um, called A Presley Speaks. And um, Uncle Vester was, um, as Elvis hired many members um, into um, his organization um, and, and his business working for him. And Uncle Vester was a gatekeeper. He was a guard at the gate. And so he talks about the morning that Elvis or the day that Elvis died. He said that his shift started that morning at 7 o'clock, and his job was to watch the gate, and he also would drive fans up to the house so that they could take pictures. And so he started his day at 7 o'clock. He said about 9 o'clock he took a break, and he went to the house to check on his mama. Now, his mama was Elvis's grandma, the one they called Dodger. And she lived there in the mansion. And Dodger had not been feeling very well. And, and Vester was worried about her. So he goes in and he checks on her. Talks to her for a little while. Late afternoon, he uh, goes back to the house. He says he thinks he's taken probably about 1,500 people up. And he says, you know, they all want to know which which room is Elvis's. Which which where's Elvis's room? And so he would point up to the room, and they would always take pictures. You know, like you couldn't see anything but the window. Yeah, but they're all taking pictures of the window. That day, you've got people there taking pictures of that window. No idea that he has passed away Crazy. and is laying there. I mean, very, very sad. Very, yeah. you know, it's very sad. But yeah. he says that uh, late afternoon, he goes back and he checks on Dodger. He drinks a cup of coffee and um, it's close to 2 p.m. He says when he goes in, he goes in the back door there where the kitchen is. And he says that one of the boys runs downstairs, calls somebody on the phone and then runs back upstairs really quickly. And he really didn't think anything about it at the time. He goes in and he talks to his mom and then uh, he goes back down and, and uh, he's back at the gate. 
And he says that it's about 2.30 and he gets a call from the house. And they tell him, they say, Bester, do not leave the gate. We've got an ambulance coming. It's an emergency and let them up just as soon as they get here. So he's thinking it's for Dodger. So he says that he listens and he opens the gate the minute he hears the siren. Um, and then he calls up to the house and his sister Delta answers the phone and Aunt Delta lives there too. And um, she, he asks who's sick, what's going on? And she says, it's Elvis Vester. He's in bad shape. And Vester's daughter, Patsy, who was Elvis's double first cousin, um, brothers married sisters there. So um, Patsy was Vester's uh, daughter, and she was Vernon's secretary. And Vernon had been very sick. He had, was just getting over a heart attack at the time. So he's still weak, and when they call for him, telling him that Elvis is sick, Patsy helps him. Um, she basically, you know, he's he's weak and then he's upset. So she basically helps him up there. And so Vester, when she finds out, when he finds out that it's Elvis, he calls Patsy and Patsy says, Daddy, don't ask me right now. Elvis is in bad shape. He may be dead. And she said, he said, then she just breaks down. And she had taken him, Vernon, up the stairs, and they had gone and, and actually seen Elvis, and, um, and she was just distraught. So Vester, he stuck down at the gate. He said that, you know, he opens the gate and, uh, and lets the ambulance back out, and he stays down there, and he says about two hours later, the ambulance comes back. And uh, Elvis is not in the ambulance, but the doctors in the ambulance and the ones who went with Elvis are in the ambulance. So they go back up to the house. Mm -hmm. And um, whenever they come back down, he asks them how Elvis is. And the ambulance driver tells him and says, I'm sorry, but Elvis passed away. He was already in the house. So that's how Vernon <laughs> found out. Um, wow. so these are, these are accounts of people that actually, um, were on the scene, people that were very close to Elvis and, yeah. um, you know, just basically how they found out their, their, um, perspective or their experience with finding out, um, that Elvis had passed away. Yeah. I like learning about the people that were there and at the house, because I feel like that's not talked about much or no so it's cool to get that inside perspective it is it really is and i've got um i don't what if you, you do you find anything out that you wanted to share i don't want to um talk too much mainly the people that i researched were like um priscilla who was married to elvis obviously from 1967 to 1973 she was in Los Angeles um, when she got the call. She said it was an overcast and dreary day. And um, Jerry Schilling, who I mentioned before, mentioned the same thing. Um, and that Los Angeles had been in a drought. And he actually said right after he found out Elvis was dead, he started crying and went out into his balcony and it started raining. Oh. And she said that there was an unnatural calm in the air and that she hadn't experienced it since 
and um, she had a meeting and was racing to meet her sister, Michelle. And Michelle told her that Joe Esposito, who worked for Elvis, had been trying to reach her. And it was something about Elvis being in the hospital. So she made a U-turn in the middle of the road and raced to her house. Said she ran every red light and nearly hit a dozen cars. And that she could hear the phone ringing when she got out of the car in the driveway. And that Joe was on the phone and told her that Elvis was dead. And they both started crying. And Lisa, their daughter, was at Grayson at the time. She was supposed to come home that day because Elvis was supposed to leave for tour that day. So she asked where Lisa was, and he said, she's okay. She's with Grandma. And she said, thank God, Joe, send a plan for me, please, and hurry. I want to come home. Mm. And then she talked to Lisa, who said, you know, something's wrong with Daddy. Everybody's crying. And she told her that she was on her way in to go play with her friends. So the plane um, got there about 9 o'clock that evening, and Priscilla and her parents, her sister Michelle, and Jerry Schilling and some of their other close friends were, was on it. Um, Jerry Schilling got there first and mentioned that he went to the back of the plane to Elvis's bedroom. And that his pajamas were all laid out for him. Uh, he was oh. fixing to leave for tour. And, Mar- oh. and Priscilla went to the back uh, to Elvis's bedroom and laid on the bed. And... Um, Jerry said that when they arrived at Graceland, that Vernon, as soon as he saw Priscilla, that he just broke down into sobs. And um, Priscilla, I'm trying to get my, my book out, but she mentions that um, when she got there, she... Um, Lisa said, is it true? Is my daddy really gone? And she said she didn't know how to tell her that she would never see her daddy again. She just nodded and hugged her. And then uh, Lisa went back outside with her friends. And um, one thing that I loved was that Priscilla said, when they had the private viewing for the family, she waited till everybody was gone, and her and Lisa went up, just the two of them, and they placed a sterling silver bracelet of a mother and child holding hands on his right wrist. Mm. So he's buried with, with that on his wrist, and I thought that was so sweet and so sad. Yeah. And she told him, um, I'm looking for it. She said, you look so peaceful, satin, which is what they called each other, so restless, rested. I know you'll find happiness and all the answers there. And uh, to just not cause any trouble at the pearly gates. No, how sweet. I wanted to include her. Yeah, yeah. For sure, but. Definitely, definitely. Well, you know. I, I had I was trying to find some some uh, I, you don't want it to be uh, it's it's a very sad time but you yeah. don't want to um, you don't want to let the sadness overcome um, the uh, the reality um, if if indeed um, Elvis was saved which he um, has stated. You know, there's he has he has witnessed that he um, was a Christian, and if he has been saved, then 
this then you know it's it, it's a happy ending and mm-hmm. so we wanted to end and I people uh, several different uh, quotes that I had found Sonny West was one of the Memphis Mafia he was also one of the guys that wrote the book Elvis What Happened which came out about the time of his death and it was written it was super by controversial read very very controversial didn't Elvis in a great light at all it did not. broke his it, heart it did and um and Sonny and uh, his cousin Red West were two of the authors, and um, so uh, Sonny wrote another book called Elvis Still Taking Care of Business, and I thought this was a really good quote that he put um, in the book that I wanted to, to share. He says, I'm frequently asked, was Elvis a Christian when he died, to fully answer the look at the roadmap of his life not just his last years he was raised in utter poverty and mother relied on the lord to help her family through the rough times gladys passed on her love and faith in jesus christ to elvis and even at the peak of his fame he never forgot his place in the grand order of things and Sonny says, I remember during one performance in Las Vegas when a woman approached the stage carrying a pillow with a crown. And she told Elvis, she said, this is for you. And she called him the king. And he says that Elvis smiled at her and said, no, honey, there is only one king and his name is Jesus Christ. I'm just a singer. And I've heard that that before. I've heard that too. that had happened before. And also, he says that women were all the time coming up to Elvis and telling him they worshipped him. And he said that his reply would be, love my music, but on it, don't ever worship anyone but the Lord. And then Sonny writes at the end of the book, he says, there's no doubt in my mind that Elvis is in heaven singing with that angelic voice to his creator. Then I've got Nancy, that little housekeeper. She's talking about when she's viewing Elvis at the at Graceland. He, his body was brought to Graceland. And she she's viewing his body. And she says, a flood of memories came rushing over me. Thoughts of all the good times I'd shared with him in the last 10 years. And the thought occurred to me, we really had a lot of good memories together. Ones that I always cherish. Thank goodness for those sudden happy thoughts. Otherwise, I think I would have broken down and cried right there. Something I know Elvis would not have wanted. I suddenly pictured him up in heaven, looking down on all of us at the house at that moment, smiling that beautiful smile, saying, Don't be so sad. I'm out of all my pain now. And though I hope no one saw it, I think a little smile crossed my face. I thought that was very sweet. And then Vester. Yeah, is that not sweet? Then Vester Presley says, Elvis was a good man. He couldn't get out and go to church like he used to. But he read the Bible and believed very deeply in God. I believe with all my heart that Elvis went to heaven. So... that that gives me comfort and um and i i feel like you know in life and in death really all of um at the end of our lives that's the only thing that really matters um is Mm -hmm. if we have put our trust and our faith in jesus 
and I have to I have to end on that note. Um, I you know people people will talk somebody into heaven all the time. Um, you hear that, but it's the life that they live and not the mistakes that they make, but the the fact that they have put their trust and their faith in Jesus. And even though they've made mistakes, those mistakes, once you belong to the Lord, those those mistakes are under the blood. And uh, and that's a promise. Yeah. But uh, well, but we're... go ahead. No, you're fine. This is just an extra long podcast. <laughs> it is an extra long one. I apologize. I apologize. <laughs> but but um, it's it's a special it's a special night. It's a special night. We're having our own little candlelight vigil. Um, but I think it's been, I think it's been good. I love learning more about Elvis and I, we try to get facts. We try not to, um, we try not to just read something and take it as fact. We try to research it and come up with, um, with, with the closest accuracy that we can when we're trying to talk about Elvis. Um, but I hope you've enjoyed our podcast. I hope maybe you've learned something and um, hope that you hope that you um, can think about what we've said. And, and just remember that, um, you know, everybody has has bad moments in their life. We all make mistakes. I would hate for people to um, when I died, I'd hate for people to sit around and talk about all the bad things and crazy things that I did. Um but I hope that I would have some good things, some good qualities and some good, um, some uh, good deeds that I've passed on and, uh, and things that I've contributed in my life that can be. Yeah, I think Elvis has plenty of that. Um, I, for sure. I, I hope to do an episode one day just talking about all of the the good things that he did um but if you've stuck with yes. us this long you are my hero thank you so much yeah uh, thank it you. is an excellent episode but it is an uh a big night i guess for the elvis fandom and um it, if you haven't already uh if you can subscribe to our podcast leave a review tell a friend um, follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Let's Talk Elvis Podcast. We're going to try our best to be sticking to Mondays better. It's getting a little late tonight, so it's going to be more like Tuesday. But um, we're loving doing this for you guys, and it's exciting to see the every week and our accounts grow every week. So we appreciate it more than you know, and and we, we do try to get factual information and give the most interesting and and best stuff that we can find and guys all enjoy it but we'll talk to you guys next week shoot us a message if there's something you'd like for us to investigate or something that you'd like to talk about or hear about just let us know so we can include that in some of our podcasts and thank you for joining us thank you thank you good night